0: This podcast is sponsored by Horizon Services, heating, cooling, and plumbing experts, horizonservices.com. Hi, welcome to this episode of Jim Gardner, More to Explore. Long before there was Jim Gardner anchor at Channel 6 in Philadelphia for 45 years, there was this college kid at Columbia University in New York where I was able to combine my first experience with broadcasting with my love for college basketball from deep outside. It's Gordon with the jump shot. It's no good. The rebound taken down by Dodson. It's blocked, picked off by Larry Gordon, though the Lions maintain. McMillan free for the 18-foot jump shot and hit that. Yep, that was me in 1969 from the spectrum in Philadelphia as Columbia toppled nationally ranked Villanova. I make no apologies for my level of excitement. I mean, I was a kid. And this was fun. Now as a frenzy begins here at University Hall, as the Lion fans are going crazy, and Princeton looks to be disorganized. Hayward with the ball high above his head, puts it up from 18 feet, it's short, the rebound, taken down by McMillan. the short jump shot, is good! That was a couple of weeks later, when Columbia beat the hated Princeton Tigers in New York. 53 years later, listening to those clips... Makes me smile, yes, from embarrassment, but also from incredible memories of my youth. Which is all to say that having the chance to sit down with retired Villanova basketball coach Jay Wright was such a delight. Jay has made it obvious that he is going to have a brilliant career in broadcasting, but what makes Jay special to me? is that a man who won two NCAA championships at Villanova and dominated Big East basketball for more than a decade and became one of the faces of college basketball in America can still be as humble and as quietly reflective as he is. Here's my conversation with Jay Wright. Since you announced your retirement, (laughs) is it what you expected or have there been any surprises?
1: I'd say it it is what I expected so far. Um, I am surprised that I have never had a moment where I said, I wish I didn't do this. I'm surprised at that. I was preparing myself for there was going to be something like, you know, going to a practice or being at a game. I, you know, I would say one time I was at a CBS game and I was standing for the national anthem at Kentucky Louisville and I could just feel the juice. And then for a second it hit me like, I missed this. And then the national anthem was over and I looked over at John Calipari and I saw the tension on his face and I was like, I'm good I'm right fine. where I am. I'm good. <laughs> so really, that's probably what has surprised
0: me the most is how secure I am in my decision. A friend of mine said uh, to me this morning, I told him that I was going to be talking to you and he said, you know, <clears throat> since Jay left, Villanova isn't the same school. And I said, you mean the team isn't the same team? He said, no, no, no. Villanova isn't the same school he said thousands of kids came to Villanova because of Jay Wright and now Jay is gone do you see it that way has that ever occurred to you does it bother you that someone might say something like that
1: yes that that bothers me because i don't want that to happen and um do
0: you acknowledge that perhaps I don't, a lot of people think that way i i don't hear that i hear basketball i don't hear that a lot Um, But you were the face of Villanova University.
1: I I never really thought of that. I always felt like, and I still do, and it might just take a year for everyone to understand it. Um, I always felt like the university was great before I got there, and it's going to continue to be. And I always felt like the basketball program has always had great tradition, and it'll be great after I leave. Um, and even when we were there, they, we had our ups and downs. So I always I always came in every day thinking that this is it's no matter how much praise people put on me, this is bigger than me. The university's bigger, the program's bigger, and it is really. But as, as you know, better than anybody being in the position you are at ABC, that people can put that on you because they see you every day on TV. But I think time will show. Villanova will be as strong as ever. Villanova had twenty-four thousand applicants this year for seventeen hundred spots. I think that will continue, and I think people understand with Kyle and the program going, it'll it'll be strong as ever.
0: I know you said that one of the reasons why you retired was so that you could spend more time with your family. I'm curious to know if your wife Patty has ever had the occasion over the last. 10 or 11 months to say, boy, I wish you were still coaching. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have, no, we're, we're good. We're enjoying
1: time together. However, I always missed out on like, she pays all the bills. She runs the business of the family, everything. And now I'm around and I see things. I say, well, why don't we do it this way? Or why don't you do this? And I'll get, hey, 32 years I've done this by myself. I've run this. Just let me handle this. Stay out of it. I've done a good job to this point. And I have to say,
0: you're right. You're right. You're talking about missing family stuff. Yeah. That's serious business. Um, Was there ever a time in your experience where you said to yourself, you know, this is unacceptable. This this is not right. This is not what I should be doing. You know, I I can't do this. Definitely.
1: Definitely. The most difficult aspect of, of a coaching career is... You have uh, 13 young men that you look at as your sons. Well, over 30 years, they all move on, and you have 13 new ones. But they're still your sons, so you want to be available to them. But you have your own sons and daughter, and you're constantly looking at. You know, I'm I'm spending time with these guys, and I'm missing out on my my daughter's you know saxophone concert. You know, and and it's, it's gut-wrenching. And, and there are times when you have to just once in a while – and then thank God for my wife, Patty, who who handled all that. But there's stories, and I'm sure you have them, that of situations where you set everything up to be there for your son, like my son's senior day in baseball, and it gets rained out. I, I planned on being there. It gets rained out. And moved well on the next day. I had to be in Sarasota, Florida, for a Dick Vitale event, and I missed it. And it was gut wrenching. I'm getting a an ward, and I'm suffering.
0: So forgive me for for being intrusive. Um, there must have been times when your kid said to you something to the effect of, "Dad, I know you're you know a superstar, and everybody loves you, but we need you here. Th- this isn't good for us. We don't like this." You know what?
1: my kids never said that to me. Mm-hmm. Patty would say that to me. That, and, and, and my kids were, and I'm so grateful they turned out to be the way they are today because of Patty. But uh, I'm sure they felt that at times, or or even other times when they're playing high school basketball and the opponent is chanting, who's your daddy, Adam? And watching them go through all that. Now, I feel like it strengthened them and they are who they are today because of that. But Patty would tell me, Jay, you you're on the road recruiting. You need to be here today. And and there were times where I would listen to her and do it. And then I would be at the children's event and I'd be thinking to myself, I'm letting the team down. I'm letting the program down. I'm letting all these alumni down. It was a it was a constant struggle. And I'm you know, I'm sure everybody goes through this in some way, but Patty was great at letting me know when it was going overboard, when you just – you you have to shut it down.
0: But you just told me um, that this is not one of the reasons why you retired. It is. No, that is. It is. But I didn't
1: want to say it. I didn't want to say it publicly because – Gotcha. Because when you say it publicly, you're saying, you know, what we're talking about right now. You're but saying – But in
0: fact – You should have been doing In it fact, this is true. It, it is. It's
1: definitely – like yeah. I – my son's coaching high school basketball now. Yeah, I, I can that. go watch him. We're going to talk about coach. That. My yeah. my daughter is in law school, and they play a, a game against the the students against the law school professors and the congressmen in D.C. And I could go watch. I never would see that. I would never get to see that stuff. Um, my other son just moved to Pittsburgh with exporting goods, and we go out and see his apartment. Go out to dinner. With. I I never got to do that stuff. I didn't want to be. 70 75 or have a health problem and never get to do that so refresh my memory (laughs) (laughs) other than that why did you retire that 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 was a big part of me you hit on it and i didn't that's one i didn't talk about a lot because what i just explained Mm -hmm. but the other aspect was i felt for the first time last last basketball season I was, and we we're neighbors, we, we, you know, I was taking that six-minute ride into the game or practice and I was listening to Bruce Springsteen on the radio and I was thinking to myself, I don't want this song to end, I don't want the really? car ride to end, really? I don't want to go in. And I'd have to, yeah. um, I'd be at the doors going in, I'd stop myself and say, okay, get your you know, get your energy up, get fired up, everybody's counting on you here, do your job. One thing I'm really proud of is we did a really good job that last year. I don't know if I could have done that another year.
0: So you are obviously aware that that there is a whole legion of quote-unquote experts out there who swear that they know the real reason why Jay Wright retired at such an early age, um, that college basketball, this is what they think, is quickly becoming something that Jay Wright isn't that the transfer portal, which is essentially a free agency system for 18-, 19-, and 20-year-olds, where they can play for a different school every year, that it may be good for them, but it's a system that creates instability bordering on chaos for college basketball programs, and the advent of NIL, which is effectively a financial bidding war for players, that these two developments drove Jay Wright from the game. Any truth to that?
1: to address the NIL and the transfer portal. I also knew that there was a t- that was a time that we were going to have to adjust and determine how we're going to keep the Villanova culture strong within this new era. Now, we had just started because NIL started the year before. We had just started, and we were building our NIL plan.
0: Explain and, what NIL is, just for folks who are not NIL basketball is, fans
1: stands for name, image, and likeness. And what that is, is the a, a college athlete in any sport previous to this new rule, if someone wanted them to come over to, if, if you wanted them to come over to your house, a, a tennis player, and work with your daughter on her tennis game, and you wanted to pay a female tennis player just because she was a good college player, they weren't allowed to do that. Well, now they can. And it, it's it's really the right thing to do. The problem is it came about because the Supreme Court ruled against the NCA. So it was just dropped in everybody's lap. The real um, travesty here is that the NCA leadership didn't have vision 10 years ago when everybody was telling them this is coming and we should have planned for this and it could have gradually come into existence. It came in at the same time the transfer portal came in. Which, which means a player
0: becomes a free agent at the end of every year. And bottom line, schools, the, the, the big-time Division I basketball schools, and we all know what they are, uh, they're offering these kids hundreds of thousands of dollars to attend their school, correct? They are presenting the student-athletes with proof –
1: that they will earn hundreds of thousands of dollars by using their name, image and likeness if while they come there if school. they come to their school while they're in school exactly right. It was never intended that at the end of each college season, schools can come to every player on every any team and say, "How much do you make at you for your name, image and likeness at Villanova?" Let's say I make $100,000. While we, c- if you come to this school, you can make 300000 And players are going to have to deal, and families are going to have to deal with those decisions every spring. It's not like pro sports where there's a free agency or you have a
0: contract. Forgive me, Jay. This does not sound like the way Jay Wright constructs, number one, his teams, where you want players who are going to be with you for three, four years and, and develop and get better and be imbued with the Villanova culture, which doesn't happen in six months for an 18-year-old. This does not sound like J. Wright basketball. No, it is not. But I believe, and we're still trying to do this, and
1: I started to try to do this. Villanova is so unique, and our culture is so unique. We could find people that would still value their education, value coming to Villanova to be a part of a community grow as a man, as a student, and as a player, and put themselves in a position to be a professional player that is educated and that has grown emotionally as a man. That was going to be the challenge. And we started it, and we're going to see if we can continue that into the future. It's a tremendous challenge. You're swimming against the tide. Definitely. And your original question was, is that why I got out of it? it wasn't that rule, but it was the energy that I knew it was going to take to keep this culture going was far better suited with a young guy like Kyle Neptune that understands Villanova culture than that point in my career. I wanted to do it. I didn't think I had the energy necessary to give them what they needed to keep the culture of Villanova strong. And I think Kyle Neptune does.
0: Let's talk about, for just a second, um, the season-long fanfare that accompanied the uh, impending retirements of Mike Shashevsky and, and, and Roy Williams, Sheshevsky uh, at, at Duke and Williams at UNC. So much was made of the, the impending or pending retirements of these two iconic coaches. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, Jay Wright says, oh, by the way, I'm retiring, <laughs> you know, in, in a typically understated Jay Wright way. My question to you, with, with Krzyzewski and 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 Roy Williams gone, you really could have been I, – I, this may be a little hyperbolic, but you could have been the face of college basketball, um, and you gave that up. But did it occur to you that maybe – that, that this was your time not to be just a great coach, but to be the face of college basketball in America? It, it actually did, Jim, because we, we, when, when
1: COVID hit, the NSA formed this ad hoc committee to handle all the issues of college basketball as it pertained to the pandemic. And it was Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, Mark Few, Tom Izzo, myself, Jim Boeheim. And we were meeting once a week. And on, by Zoom and Jim and Jim Beheim and Mike Sheshevsky and Roy Williams would say once in a while to myself and Mark Few, like you guys are the future and you guys, are, you're the face of, you're going to have to take this as we discuss the future of college basketball. And, you know, in a, I was listening and I knew it, but in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I don't, I don't know how much I've got in me here. And when i came when we came back from the olympics and then went i had to get the team together right away that was in august mid mid august and then the hall of fame was in i had to do recruiting in september and then the hall of fame was in september and then after that i started thinking to myself this this might be
0: it I asked you this once before, and, and you gave me the perfectly humble J Wright answer. So I'm going to take another shot. I'm going to take. <laughs> you another. don't want the perfectly humble J no. Wright answer. That's <laughs> not not that interesting, Jay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take it again. Make another shot at it. Um, are you the same person that you were before you won two national championships? That you are now that you have won two national championships? I, I hope so, Jim. That's, I, that's what you said before just, two years I, ago. But
1: I, but I've been around. I, I feel like I'm the same person. But I can see how people treat me differently, which is, which is, very heartwarming. And I, I appreciate it. But I don't want to be that guy. I that that's another reason I get out of it. I don't want to be
0: that guy. I just, you know, why not? Why don't you want to be that I guy? I just like I. I mean, I, these I, were your accomplishments. This is your legacy. I, I or, say, or is it not your legacy?
1: I, I, I hope it's not my legacy. I hope I'm a. I keep getting to be a better father, better husband. I, I, my relationships with my former players now is more of a friend, which has really been fun. Friend, but still mentor. Like they, they still call me coach, and I. And when Josh Hart and I see uh, Jalen Brunson have a a great game and everybody's pumped, I still hit him with stay humble. Don't let this. Don't let this get to you. So I, I want to be. So I probably wouldn't have those relationships if, if we didn't win national championships where they would respect me and listen to me. So I, I got to take that, and I, I do enjoy that. But I like going to Phillies games and Sixers games and and Eagles, just being a regular guy. Like, that's all I ever wanted to do. I love going to the Jersey Shore, and and I, I was missing that a little bit. When I was coaching, especially the more successful guy. you couldn't do that as much. You couldn't go out as much. Everybody was nice, but you just wanted to spend simple time with your family. Like I crave that, so that's the part I mean. Where like I don't want to be that guy, um, and I'm. It's starting to fade. Someone I'm starting to enjoy yeah, it with
0: every year. The shine, yes,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you
0: lose a little that bit. It's enjoyable. So let me rattle off some, uh, some names of basketball coaches uh, who have been part of my radar. Throughout the years, um, like from my time in college, Jack Rowan at wow. Columbia, a- Doggy Julian at, at Dartmouth, a- Dick Harder at Penn, Johnny Wooden at UCLA, wow. uh, Pete Carrill, obviously, at Princeton, uh, Rupp at Kentucky, Lefty Drizzell, not at Maryland, but at Davidson, wow. and then as years passed, Digger Phelps at Fordham, and then obviously at at Notre Dame, then Shashevsky and Smith at UNC, Raleigh at Villanova. John Thompson at Georgetown, Beheim at Syracuse, Louis Carnesecca at St. Wow, John's, that's a great and, and Rick Pitino at Providence. They all had one thing in common, and they had it in common with you. Would you know what I'm thinking of? Um, I don't know. What would it be? They despised losing. <laughs> yeah. they, every so college good. basketball coach despises Losing. My question to you is: You spend every waking moment, to a fault, trying to enhance your chances of winning a basketball mm-hmm. game. Yeah. When you lose, how excruciating is that? And how do you deal with it? You you explained it
1: very clearly. Um, losing is excruciating. You despise it. When you lose a game, you could be 22-2, and two, and you lose a game. There's a part of you that feels we're never going to win again. And there's a panic in you, and all coaches have it. And now that I'm out of it, and I go do these games, and I meet with the coaches before the game, and they don't – I'm trying to be a journalist and ask questions. They don't want to talk about their teams. They want to share with me because they know no – they can't share with anybody else during the season because they got to be strong. But share these feelings with me, this this feeling of panic. Like, did you feel this way? I'm like, yeah, I know exactly how you feel. And I just did the um, Illinois-Ohio State game this past weekend. And um, Illinois' coach, Brad Underwood, I met with before the game. And he felt so good about his team. And he was feeling so positive. And they lose a game they shouldn't have lost to at Ohio. Or they didn't think they were going to lose to Ohio State. And I'm leaving that arena, and I'm thinking to myself, he right now is in such deep, dark despair. I know the. I feel so bad for him. And then I got on a plane, had a glass of wine. And I'm like, I forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not going to forget right, about it right. until they play a game again.
0: Right. Um. So for 21 years, Villanova had a white head coach leading uh, teams that consisted predominantly of young black men. And it should not be controversial to say that in this country, where issues of race seem to be almost always present, Jay, and that in these days of such racial distrust and divisiveness, the relationship between a mostly black college team and its white head coach is at least intriguing. How did Jay Wright make that a profoundly successful relationship and how did you build the kind of trust that was obvious to number one dispassionate observers and also thousands of Villanova fans? During the George Floyd crisis,
1: um, when co- some I felt some coaches were going national and supporting that, but it was kind of, it seemed self-serving to me. and and I thought, it's not our place as white coaches to stand up here and, and make ourselves look good because we're supporting um, the injustices right now going on in our country. Like we should us talking about it shouldn't be important at all. What we do with our young people is what's important. And so I concentrated on our team and and our players and helping them through that time and our former players and and being supportive of them and learning from them, which that's a whole nother talk, but I learned more during that time than they did. But, so I didn't do anything on social media. I didn't say anything nationally. And our players got together, our former players, NBA guys got together and went to Randy Foy, who was one of our captains, played 10 years in the NBA and said, you got to talk to coach. He's got to go national because people respect him. And Randy Foy contacted me and said, Coach, I know what you're doing. I know you don't like going out, but we need you. And I was I, I explained to him what I just said. I said, Randy, I'm not, like I'm a 60-year-old white guy. I don't, I don't want to no one wants to hear from me on this. He goes, Yes,
0: they do. And that had to make you feel um, not just humbled, but incredibly proud. Yeah.
1: And it was it's, it's emotional to me now. He said, and, and if, he said, if anybody criticizes you, we got your back. So it, it empowered me to not just work with our team, but to nationally get involved and be more outspoken. And, and I learned how much you could do as, as a white male and, and needed to do, right? And uh, and it's something we still work on. Like our, our guys were the last team during the NCAA tournament, Final Four. Half of our team didn't stand for the national anthem. And that upset a lot of Villanovans because Villanova has Villanova has the most admirals in the United States Navy than any other school in the country except the Naval Academy. So we've got a rich military background and pride, it, it, it was It was a gut-wrenching experience for, for our alumni. But I was, anytime I could sit down and explain to our alumni, especially our military guys, that our guys were not disrespectful, they were appreciative of what they've done, but that this was their time to make a stand and they had that opportunity, they didn't wanna let it pass. And in in the end, they took that into action, our players this year, where they stand for the National Anthem, hand over their heart, arm in arm, which they always wanted to do, but they didn't – this was their opportunity. And and they've created, with our president, uh, a, a program where they're giving scholarships to inner-city kids to come out to Villanova, and they're mentoring them. So they they took action. But they didn't have that action in place the year before, so that's all they could do. So it was an incredible experience, and it it continues to be, and something that I I really
0: take pride in in working on with our guys. Uh, The last numbers that I saw, and maybe there are others available, but I looked for them and I didn't find them. Uh, As of three years ago, 79% of the players in basketball's major conferences are black, but of the 75 programs in college basketball, six major conferences, that includes the Big East, only 14, 14 have a black head coach. That's 18.7%. Now, I know that the Big East leads the charge yeah. right now. Half of its coaches are African-Americans. But uh, this is unconscionable, is it not? You hit the, the
1: perfect term is, is African-American leadership. So um, as a matter of fact, just today, I I just tweeted about this today because uh, there's a young lady at Villanova who's a part of the McClendon Foundation that we, Patty and I support at Villanova that is really important. It's the leadership. It's it's getting
0: African-Americans in leadership positions to hire African-Americans. 14% of the athletic directors in Power 5 programs are black. 14% why would you think that they would have substantially more he- black head coaches if only 14% exactly. of the ad's are black
1: exactly right. and and there's not there's as bad as those numbers are there's a better path for an african american young man or woman to become a head basketball coach than there is to become an athletic director so it is a it, it's it's an important part of college athletics where we need to grow it's important for Villanova and I'm proud of what Villanova is doing it's really growing in that manner
0: someone said oh Jay Wright's going to get tired of 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 not coaching and and you know that eventually he's going to coach an NBA team um can you say here and now categorically that Jay Wright will never be the head coach of a of a team in the NBA yeah I think I can I really I really do
1: I um I just don't, I, I, I have a, a desire to enjoy other aspects of my life. I don't have the energy for that responsibility and that relationship anymore. And I don't think you can coach even
0: at the NBA if you don't have those relationships. You don't have that energy now, and you're saying it's inconceivable that you ever would have that energy? Well, I, but... But now I have new
1: relationships. So my mentoring relationship with former players now is different. It's more of like a a brother, a friend. It's not coach who they – is in charge of their program. That's Kyle now, right, and mentoring Kyle. And as I go on the road and do games, I'm enjoying this relationship with these coaches. You know, I do their game, and then they're texting me after the game. What do you think about this? You know, can we talk about this? Um, And I'm spending more time with my family, and I'm doing things like this. Like – That, you know, I never wanted to do too much of this when I was coaching because I don't want Villanova people to say, what's he doing? Why is he talking to Jim Gardner? Why isn't he out recruiting? You know, we're paying him a lot of money. I'm I'm getting to do other things and expand my horizons, and I'm really enjoying that, and I look forward
0: to more of it. So your son (laughs) is now the coach at Episcopal Academy. Um, You know how tough this profession is. Uh, are you okay with the fact that it looks like your son wants to be a career coach basketball coach? his his mother,
1: uh, my wife Patty was uh, definitely singing that song don't let your son grow up to be a cowboy. Um, don't let him grow up to be a coach. Um, what's different, Jim, which I, and I'm really proud of him and I and I and I continually I don't tell him anything about basketball. he's he knows what he's doing. I tell him about his career. he started. He, he was a minor league baseball player. So he started in the off season as a teacher and coaching sixth grade football and, and assistant baseball, assistant basketball. He loves teaching history. And I keep telling him, that's your job. He loves being with the young people. And that's what you got to love the teaching and the same thing in high school he, as a coach. He loves mentoring these kids. He loves teaching them about life. I said, don't take it any further. That was my plan, to be a high school gym teacher and a high school coach and go to the Jersey Shore in the summer. That was my plan. I screwed it all up. But he he looks at it that way. He really does. And, and as long as he keeps that fresh approach, that's a great life.
0: Is your father alive? He is. He's still, he is. He's, he's going to be 89. So he has been a couple able days. to see yeah. and witness and experience yeah. the yeah. success of his son.
1: Yeah, he and he and That's amazing. And and my mom too and they love it they got to come to the Hall of Fame. That was you know, and they're getting they're getting older and don't get around as much but getting them up to the Hall of Fame was awesome. And they you know, he he's a great guy, Ar- Ar- army guy. Um, you know, didn't get to go to college him or my mom. So they look at this totally Differently. Like they liked the celebrity part, it was fun for them, you know. Um, but they're, they're simple people, just good, good people, hardworking people that really gave me and my brother and my sisters our, our core values. And it, it goes back to when you say, you know, have you changed? I hope not, because what they taught us is what's most important, you know, our family and being a good person and how you treat people. And um, they,
0: they were the foundation for all that. You mentioned core values. Um, I read some of your book, uh, and you talk a lot about core values yeah. in your book, which is called Attitude. Um, core values for individual players and, and core values for a program, and I'm sure you would say that you know the essential um, uh, component of Villanova basketball over these many years has been – its core values, and, and I think we appreciate that. Um, we've talked about this before. Uh, you know, About 15 years ago, your daughter <laughs> and my daughter were playing in, a, in the same softball game uh, on opposite sides, but I don't exactly remember why, but there was this long delay before the field was available. And, <laughs> and so you, Jay Wright, the coach of Villanova, organized the group of girls – on an adjacent basketball court and ran a basketball (laughs) practice, whistle and all, um, uh, to fill the time until the field was ready. So I was watching this and it occurred to me that you love not just the big time or the glare of the spotlight, but you love the game and how it can provide pleasure, whether you're talking about 20-year-old men or 9-year-old girls. And, And you've got to know that you made all the moms and dads who were waiting for that <laughs> softball game to begin, big time Villanova fans. That, <laughs> that's that nice. Day, that know. was
1: fun, and that that is fun, um, and, and that is a fun part of coaching. Just just seeing young people, you know, accomplish something they didn't think they could. Even if that day they they made a layup for the first time, you know, it's just that's that's such a good feeling, right? And uh, I was a, the next year I was assistant coach to my wife Patty on the softball team, and I thought you were going to tell the story where I had a guy, a, an umpire one time. It was a rain, it was raining before the game, and I had I was the assistant, so I, my job was to go. I had to rake the field to get the field ready, and the umpire was like, "Are you Jay Wright?" I was like, yeah, <laughs> "What are you doing, raking the field?" I said, "Well, my my, my wife Patty's the head coach. I'm just the assistant. This right? is my job." Right. But I I love those days. They were fun days with our daughters. Jay Wright, nice to talk to you. You too, buddy. And congratulations to you. an incredible career. Yeah. We all love you here in Philly. And um, I, had, I had to say this to you. I don't know if I ever said this to you, but in all my years coaching at UNLV and Hofstra, when I wasn't in Philly, what would always make me feel good if I came home recruiting was to hear that Action News song and hear your voice. You'd feel like,
0: ah, I'm home. And you did that for all of us. You're very kind. Thanks, Jay got it, buddy. My thanks to Jay Wright. He is one of those individuals with a special social skill. He gives you the impression that he is happy to have the chance to spend time with you. And I know he makes everybody he crosses paths with to feel that way. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the controversies over the transfer portal and NIL in college basketball being paid off one's name, image, or likeness. I don't begrudge anybody's opportunity to make money. And there's a case to be made for compensating college basketball players beyond their scholarships. But the combination of the portal and NIL has careened out of control and has created an unregulated free agency system for college basketball players with colleges offering up millions of dollars for 18-year-old kids, rating each other's rosters, with players potentially jumping from one school to another every year based on which school is ponying up the most cash. Charles Barkley said NIL has made college basketball into a travesty and a disgrace. I hope he's wrong. I fear he's right. Jim Gardner, More to Explore is a production of Jim Gardner, LLC, and 6ABC Philadelphia. The uniquely talented Matteo Aidenisi and I produced, and edited this podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe and also tell a friend. Word of mouth is a great way to help podcasts grow. I'm Jim Gardner. This podcast is sponsored by Horizon Services, heating, cooling, and plumbing experts. Horizonservices.com.